welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast that focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. This episode brought to you by Fans Incorporated, because there are three fans going on right now because it's really hot. Heat waves are hitting everyone right now, so power adages are your jam. Uh, probably not, but if they are, you can listen to us on your phone, and hopefully you're staying cool in this hot, hot summer. All right, I'm your host, Mr. Petey Pob, and with me I have three wonderful hosts, co-hosts. I've got Peter the Falcon swooping in from 40k Stat Center. Ta-ka! That's a weary hot... It's not hot where you are, Peter. No, what are you talking no about? It's like a super hot 53 degrees Fahrenheit right now. Fahrenheit? <laughs> that's that's warm. That's that's above freezing. So, there you go. Uh, and then we have Mr. Brandon. I've got two certification patents. Grant. Yeah, it's good to be back, Pablo. I'm excited. Right on. And then finally, I've got the one, the only tabletop titan, Mr. Brian Pullen. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, thank you for being here. Okay, today's episode is going to be jam-packed full of lists. Uh, you guys have been, in gals, have been asking for them. We're going to have a lists uh, for every single faction. We're not going to go into specifics on every single list. So if you have any further questions, I would highly recommend going into that comment section on YouTube and FrontlineGaming.org and asking more questions. Uh, we're always in the chat. Scary's in there as well. Brandon hops in there sometimes. Val definitely hops in there. Uh, so if you have any questions about lists or what we talk about, Put them in the comments. But that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking lists and list ar- archetypes for every single faction. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that we're going to be talking about pure lists for every faction. Because if you've been playing this game for uh, more than a year now, you'll know that sometimes the best list for a faction requires a little soup. Uh, it's just the way it is. So we're not going to talk about the best pure lists. Uh, we're going to keep this very broad. We're going to stick to list archetypes and core units versus full, succinct, complete lists. We're also going to talk about some wacky lists that we've been seeing come up. Uh, there was a tournament this past weekend, which we'll get to in a few moments. Uh, and then there are other events on Tabletop Simulator. Uh, there's a tournament coming up in the future that... People are, you know, they're innovating. It's it's happening slowly but surely. And so I brought Brian and Peter and Brandon on to kind of talk about some of their favorite lists that they've seen kind of pop up in the meta. So this is definitely the ninth edition list episode for you if you're worried about what you're going to be building coming into the final quarter of the year. All right. Before we get to that, Brandon and I have a special shout out and Peter, a special shout out. We shoutcasted for the Lord Marshall TV Twitch channel uh, and we shoutcast for the Flying Monkey Con and it was an absolute blast watching a tournament happen in 9th edition 40k. They're rare. But how did you how did you and uh, Peter Brandon, how did you find the experience? Um, I found it great. I mean, I'm hoping that people benefited from us shoutcasting it and helped understand the game a bit better and maybe provided some entertainment to boot. So I definitely enjoyed the games that I was present to cast for, and um, it was nice to see some competitive 40k played live. Nice. Uh, Peter, what did you think? Well, I just uh, tuned in. I wasn't able to shoutcast due to uh, you know fatherly and husbandly duties, um, but I did tune in for the majority of the event and trolled the chat when I could. 
And um, it was a pretty, it was a pretty fun, uh, pretty fun little setup they had going on there. The one thing I would love for them to add in the future, because I love commentary, but a dedicated table boss would have been great for a couple of the games, just so that when the commentators were discussing something that was happening at the table um, or something that happened previously, they didn't get lost with what happened later. Because there was a couple of times in some of the games where you know we were getting some really good content from the commentators, but they missed like a key, a key part uh, that kind of got blown, passed over because of that commentary, and. And it kind of caused some a little bit of confusion near the end of some of those games. But overall, it was a good experience. And it's it's always just great to be able to see some competitive action, um, especially in these times where we've been kind of without it for four or five months. Right on. Brian, did you did you happen to catch any of that or did you have a busy weekend? I uh, I always tune in to some of these events and just pick out little pieces of them. But, you know, watching a ton of competitive 40K takes a lot of time. And uh, I was actually fortunate enough to be taking uh, a short Airbnb vacation, so didn't get all of it. Nice, nice. Right, on. those are important too. Uh, taking a break from the everyday life. Uh, I I loved it. Uh, congratulations to the TO Brian Bam Bam Hunter of the Flying Monkey Podcast for getting hitched to mm. um, engaged, to, not uh, not quite hitched uh, yet, or uh, getting engaged. Excuse me, I don't speak Southern, so I don't know what that term means. Anyways. Uh, for getting engaged to uh, a wonderful lady they make a great couple he makes uh, she makes him very happy and so he's a very very lucky guy uh so congratulations to him and also congratulations to the winner uh, who i just completely blanked on uh, yes dan Sammons. thank you uh Anyways, uh, Salamanders list one. Uh, speaking of Salamanders, we're not going to be doing, we're not going to be talking a lot of Space Marines this episode. We will briefly talk about them because they are a faction. How uh, this is vanilla Space Marines. We're going to talk about Space Wolves and all the other Space Marine factions. But next episode, next week's episode is going to be a really good episode, uh, and it's going to be all about Space Marines. But I promise you, non-Space Marine players will love it. So there's a little hint there. So we're not going to talk a lot about Space Marines this episode. Uh, that is it. But Salamanders won. It was a Salamanders on Salamanders final. Uh, and it definitely showed me that Twitch shoutcasting 40k is alive and well. Uh, Jason Horn continues to innovate and put out great content on Twitch on Lord Marshall TV. Uh, and I'm so excited to see where we where the competitive community is with tournaments and streaming after COVID is over and when we finally start hitting the ground running on tournaments. All right. So... Let's go ahead and jump into it. We're just going to go right down the list. Uh, we're going to start from the bottom of GW's faction list. So they put Space Marines and Imperium on the top. So we're going to start with the Xenos armies on the bottom. And let's uh, start with Tyranids. So I um, all over the internet, I see Tyranid players complain about how their, their faction is unplayable, how they don't have a lot of play. Uh, and there are some players and some uh, really, really good players and me who think that Tyranids actually have some play and some merit. So uh, open open question, Brian, Brandon, Peter, what is what is a good core Tyranid list for you to build off of if you wanted to be competitive with Tyranids? So I've got a, a few answers. Um, I think that Tyranids as a whole kind of struggle to make a list that really pushes one cohesive strategy through all of their models and still be good. So, for example, um, a unit of hive guard shooting twice with ignoring line of sight, ignoring cover, is really good. Um, but only one unit can shoot twice, and there's only so many places on the board that units of hive guard can hide. Now, expect to see them in Tyranid armies; they're one of the better units. But again, you can't just spam 
hive guard and expect to win games. So maybe one, possibly two units of hive guard, depending on who you're playing. But at least one, I think, is a great choice for a Tyranid army. Same with, uh, actually, surprisingly enough, Tyranid warriors, I think, are one of the more viable Tyranid units, thanks to their Psychic Awakening book, giving them a damage reduction one CP ability. Um, so I think that they're a pretty solid unit to move into the midfield, provide some reasonably decently tough synapse, especially in an addition where they seem to be handing out more wounds to Space Marines in the near future. So I expect that if we see uh, units of Marines where they're all two wounds or more, I see more and more damage to weapons. So having a strat to reduce damage two to damage one is super good. Um, other than that, I mean, you can build around things like the Swarm Lord and double moving uh, Gene Sealers still, but all of those are almost like you're just picking these one units that are good and creating something that's cohesive out of that is the more challenging part. Um, now, it is nice that Tyranids also have access to deep striking natively troops choices like Rippers. So having Rippers be able to deep strike and perform Actually, that's a good question. I didn't even look. It, are swarms allowed to do actions, or is it only infantry? Uh, so, it, yeah, it depends on the action. For the stealth actions, the back of the secondaries, uh, those are infantry only. But for the most part, actions in the primary missions, for instance, and a lot of the other actions, those are all... So, for uh, example, can they raise that. banners? Yes. Uh, yeah, they should be able to. And can they, they deploy scanners? No. Or I scramblers? Don't... I think deploy scramblers is the, one of the stealth actions at the yeah. back. But it's still nice to be able to show up on a midfield objective with a tiny unit of swarms that's hard to see, especially if there's like a crate that they can hide behind and just be like, well, I'm obsec, so get rid of these models or it's my objective. Yeah, so, that was kind of the basis for um, a couple of the um, very unique lists we were seeing um, super early before the FAQ dropped that kind of nerfed uh, fortifications. There was a Sporacist list that I was talking to people about that I saw um, a, a, several players um, playing with at uh, RTTs um, and uh, or just you know practicing with at home. That was actually pretty devastating. It involved uh, two Sporacists. Um, generally, you know, 40 to 50 Ripper Swarms and uh, Biovores, Pyrovores and some kind of uh, HQ support in the back. Um, and it was just this list that um, used the Sporocysts and their Biovores to spray the front lines in the midfield with spores to keep your opponent locked in place um, with board control so that you could then deep strike all the Ripper Swarms and then your opponent has to, you know, feed through 30, 40 of these um, swarms to to get onto objectives um, against some armies. It was extremely difficult to play, but it was it was a very cute list. Um, unfortunately, with the nerf to fortification placement, where they have to have that three inch bubble around them, it's it's very risky to take a sporosis now. Um, but it is a very un uh, unique playstyle, and you can still take advantage of it if you if you want to kind of skew in a different direction. Now, Brian, I understand that Tabletop Titans is having a special stream tournament happening this next weekend uh, where you and Adrian are playing all of the armies. Is that yeah. correct? Well, as you know, we, uh, we're all in lockdown, so we've been looking to scratch that itch for playing more competitively because on our channel, we generally play a little more um, not in between friendly and competitive. So what we've decided to do is pick eight armies and go single elimination where we're playing all the factions. Um, so, uh, we're going to be doing that over two weeks starting this Saturday. Uh, it's going to be really great. So you can come check it out. Uh, we have our schedule of, of all the armies going up. Fortunately, Tyranids did not make the cut, um, as one of the eight armies. 
Um, but we'll hopefully we'll do it again and try it out. We have been playing oh, tennis no. on the channel though, you... and uh, they've you know they've they've actually been doing okay. They they've won a bunch of their games, and uh, they did that just by having throwaway units with obsec that they could continually trade uh, on objectives for. And uh, I really want to second what Brandon said. This idea that you can't really just lean into three of any one thing. Like you can't you can't just to go three exocrines or three hive guard or, or even three turned warriors because you, you can't pop the strat on all of them all the time. It's it's almost like you take one of a bunch of things and have this great toolbox backed up by a ton of cheap obsec, and uh, you just have to outplay them for those points every turn. That's what that's the only thing that's been working for. One thing I would recommend is look at Matt Evans' list from Flying Monkey. He went four and zero before he he had back to back losses in around five and six. It's a very cool uh, behemoth list. It does take a lot of what you're saying here. It has a big block of Tyranid warriors, um, so it can use that. It, it, you know, ignore AP1, AP2. Um, the one thing I would probably tweak out of it is he did run triple Exocrine. I think one or two is perfectly fine because, like Brian just mentioned, you can't use that, the, the good strats on more than one at a time. Um, but then fill out those points with Swarms or Biovores or Pyrovores because they're an excellent piece now. Um, like, there's a lot of stuff you can do to, to fill in those pieces, but it's a, it's a good starter list if you want to look at something in particular as a Tyranid player. Yeah, I I agree completely. I every time I look at Tyranid lists, I I always I'm shocked by how good one unit of like a big unit of Tyranid warriors is. And I, I agree. I think you should take one Exocrine, one Hive Guard, one unit, big unit of Tyranid warriors, and then uh, put a lot of pressure on your opponent with and zone obsec. Throws. Don't forget. Well, your oh yeah, throws. zone. You need zone throws. Yeah. Um. And then from there, the HQ choices are kind of flexible-ish. Um. But yeah, they're they're they're. I think they're they've got a lot of play. Uh. They are definitely not the kind of army that you would take if you wanted to win. They're not space marines. That you know, it doesn't take. They're not an, an average they're not player an, to win. An with them. easy win. No. You can win, but you have to work for it. Yes, absolutely. Um, but uh, moving on to the next faction, uh, we don't have any people on on this podcast. I think that are any good at this faction. It's Tau. Um, so I guess we'll start with Brian, who whom. I think has some experience with the faction. Yeah, the Tau, the Tau's uh, always been my favorite. Um, they still are, but they've taken their share of hits at ninth edition, um, particularly with the fallback and shoot. That's a huge impact to them. Um, so what I've been trying to do is really turn that weakness into a strength uh, by making my opponent suffer more from it than I suffer from it. And the way I've been doing that has been taking a crazy fast army that looks to tag, aggressively tag my opponents before they can tag me. Um, and I'm doing that with essentially the fastest throwaway units I have in the Codex, which uh, are most notably Piranhas. Um, there are other choices from Forge Worlds that are similar. Um, unfortunately, a bunch of them went to Legends. Forge World had Piranhas as well, but they're Legends now. So you could still take the Tetras. They're not as good as Piranhas, but they'll, they'll do in a pinch. And uh, you could still spam a ton of small drone squads, which are super powerful for doing objectives um, because you just don't care about them. You could throw away, throw them away behind enemy lines and or throw them in the corners to get uh, engage on all fronts. And uh, there's lots of ways to use them to, to tag things and slow your opponent down. Um, and then, you know, the way you dish out pain is the same way you always did, mostly commanders. Um, you could still look to... Uh, bigger suits if you wanted to, like Riptides, but it's harder to keep them alive because you don't you don't have all the drone support you used to. 
um, because drones got more expensive. Um, so commanders are the real backbone. Uh, I think I'm still trying to make prices work because I love them, but uh, they're pretty hard to make work because they require the drones and they require a ton of buffs and uh, they still could get tagged even if you're trying really hard for them not to be. So, so yeah, that's what I lean into. Quick question before before uh, Brandon and Peter weigh in here for you, Brian. So with commanders, do you, do you feel like Tau characters were also nerfed by the new lookout sir rules? So you no longer can like three units of two drones protect a commander because obviously because they're not units of three anymore, um, or three models or more. Is that an issue that you found so that you're taking more like troop, like pathfinders or fire warriors and more bodies, or do you just do you just kind of like fly those commanders around out of cover and play like a really cagey game? It's a huge issue, and I'm t- and I'm losing my commanders easier than I used to. Um, but it's a shorter game, so it's kind of maybe it's balancing out if I'm careful. Um, but what I will say is that uh, I'm not trying to defend them with things like fire warriors or or pathfinders because they are paper thin. I'm defending them with vehicles and layers of vehicles. Right, you have multiple uh, piranhas. It's a pain to get through them. Or if you have a double fish, it's more trouble and it's worth a lot of the time to shoot it down. Um, and uh, you just have to be cautious and have multi, multi-layer. multi You can't allow them to pop one vehicle and then get into all your commanders. You have to uh, you have to have multiple layered vehicles. I don't usually rely too heavily on infantry, but if you have fire warriors inside of a double fish, then you've got at least two layers of protection. They can kill the double fish first and then you've got the, the fire warriors who get out or the bleachers or whatever you want to pick. Right on. Brandon and Peter, anything else to add to Tau? I'll just say that uh, I think that that's perfectly demonstrating why transports are going to be more useful in this edition, is that they screen characters. Yeah. They're they're super helpful in too many ways. Um, and uh, there's no reason for me to to try and disagree with Brian Pullen on, on, <laughs> on, on Tau, of all things. There's only really been one decent Tau result um, out of any RTTs or uh, GTs outside of uh, Taunar. Um, it was like a, a, a weird Riptide Ivara list that kind of skewed heavy into these T6, T7 models. Um, but it also ran Devilfish for protection. So yeah, you can see you can see where that mindset is really the only way that we're, we're seeing that kind of play. There okay. is there is a couple other little tricks, but um, I'm yet to find if they work systemically, right? The uh, You could take Riptides, and instead of trying to keep them alive with drones, you try to keep them alive through trickery, um, whether that be their ability to move after shooting. And then you could use, like, if you've got a big piece of obscuring terrain in the back of your field, you keep all your Riptides in your backfield instead of taking them to the center. And uh, what you do is you move them up into the terrain every turn and then move them back uh, all behind the terrain at the end of every turn. And uh, so you use them more as backfield fire support. And three unshootable Riptides for an entire game is extremely frustrating for an opponent. Um, and so you could do tricks like that that are immensely powerful. The problem is now you have half your army not trying to take the midboard, which um, is where the game is really played. Uh, so, yeah, I'm yet to find out whether that's sustainable long-term. I do like that trick, though. the Using the, the obscure, obscure terrain rules to your advantage... All right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the sad, our our best troop choice is now five points a model faction, orcs. Um, Ooh. <laughs> so orcs are spicy. I, so orcs, orcs obvi- traditionally orcs have had a lot of really good players um, who who take their faction almost to the distance consistently, uh, and in Jeff Poole's case, for sure. Um, 
but in in general, they're not. They've never been known as like an amazingly strong faction. Mm. Uh, coming into ninth edition, mm. uh, I would disagree. But uh, but continue. Uh, I, I I haven't seen orcs make any top five faction lists in a long time. I I will say that um, prior to the marine drop. Um, I did like a whole episode on Stat Center going over how orcs had more tournament wins um, than any other faction um, oh. after the Castellan nerf. That's um, fair, and by a lot. Um, the only faction that came close uh, was uh, Chaos Demons, and that was and that was you know with the like, kind of Jim Vessel style list. Um, okay, they had a lot of wins and undefeateds, um, but they were always brought down by. Um, like they're like the lower their bottom quartile right they're the they've always had several players that play them very well your rich kiltons uh jeff pools etc that that can pull off these really big wins but they have always also had this large portion of the players <laughs> that love to play for fun right right okay that that's fair i i was incorrect now peter we knew what they were like before space marines dropped where are they now in ninth edition some uh orcs i i th- I think are actually in this very weird place where they have a build um, that depending on how they recover from losing the orc war boss on bike, he's actually been extremely successful. Um, the Adelaide GT happened in West Aust- uh, South Australia, um, won by a complete orc buggy list. Um, it was only buggies and two bone breakers. Um, we then saw um, Seth, um, Oster from the Dangly Boys podcast um, almost win the uh, Warzone Gigabytes GT, almost GT, they, because of COVID, they had to drop two players. Um, but still, he went 4-0 before he got his first loss. He was the only person to go 4-0 at that event, um, with also a buggy list backed by Truck Boys. Um, the winner of that event was also an Orc player, but he went with Goffs with uh, you know, kind of like a Mega Knob spam, but also 100 boys in the background. Um, and he won on battle points because his first loss happened early in the tournament, uh, his only loss. Um, so we have seen some interesting um, tournament results from Orcs, um, but we've also seen just kind of like with Eighth, a lot of not as good results because a lot of their old builds just don't function the way they used to. Um, uh, the the shock attack gun is dead. Like it's it, it literally doesn't work any longer, and um, three hundred boys isn't feasible. Um, but these buggy lists, they are seeing a lot of play, and they're putting up results. Yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, and I, I want to give a special shout out to my boy Ben Jurek, uh, who is also in the finest hour, um, who swears and sings a song of Gorkonauts uh, or Morkonauts, which uh, whichever one is the good one. I think I think it's Gorkonaut. Anyways, um, he sings their praise, and he's coming up with some interesting orc lists as well, all revolving around you know vehicles. Um, Brian, Brandon and Brian, what do you guys think? Uh, no, I go ahead, I, Brian. Go on, Brandon. Um, the only thing I was going to mention is that uh, giving the Burna bomber an honorable mention as mm-hmm. a suicide bomber, um, because those things are super, super, super annoying, and also failing to mention that losing the shock attack gun relic is kind of a big deal for orcs. So I'm not surprised to see them lean more into these vehicle lists that are more mobile. Um, and I'm actually quite happy to not see uh, maximum um, smash guns on the table anymore. Okay. Yeah, I, I wanted to call it the uh, flying headbutt stratagem as well. I actually think it's probably the single most powerful one CP you could spend in the whole game. Um, <laughs> wow. It's, it's so powerful that I've made multiple very 
or players are going to hate me for saying this, multiple very strongly worded emails to uh, the rest of the playtest crew about doing something about it. Um, because I've regularly seen that one CP do 40 plus mortal wounds. Yeah. Um, and yeah. nothing for one CP should do 40 mortal wounds. Um, that is outlandish. Um, especially because you could do it two or three times in a row and just drop an army. Um, and so that's really, really strong. Get it while it lasts. <laughs> I don't know how long until that gets fact. Um, but, uh, I do think that, uh, transports work well for this army and, uh, uh, I've definitely been seeing even just cheap trucks as a way to consistently get your points. And uh, I've actually still seen that the Smasher Guns can work pretty well, um, especially as people start bringing up um, some kind of cheap vehicles and weak vehicles. Um, I, I've seen that they, they can still be pretty valuable. And uh, they, in many ways, you know, I've even seen the, the blast that they have on them uh, sometimes really pay off against certain targets and really help give them a, even a little more efficiency than they've had already. So uh, those have worked. Smasher Guns are a really good answer to Custodes, and Custodes are currently the most popular faction in tournament play for the five or six uh, events we've had, plus RTTs. So it, it, they're not a bad choice in, in any orc list. Yeah, I mean, they're also good at killing Primaris equivalent Marines too, so Smasher Guns are solid. Uh, okay, all right, right on. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the next faction in here, uh, and that is going to be Necrons. So Necrons are the, they're still the weird faction, uh, because the, the, half of their range is still out of stock. Uh, they are supposed to get a codex drop, but if you were to play Necrons right now, what would you necessarily, what would you want to bring? What do you like? What are some units and a list archetype set you think give them some teeth? I've uh, I've been playing a lot of Necrons actually. I've been collecting a lot of them um uh, because I knew I knew they were going to be one of the key armies in ninth edition so I started a big collection and scarabs have really um we're seeing this this trend towards these cheap swarms um uh, continue. They they're really great at move blocking and getting up the board really quick. I've been loving my scarabs, but even just my plain Necron warriors, um I've actually been finding that reanimation protocols on them is way better than it's ever been. The innate reroll ones on them uh, stacked with the ability to get more pluses. Um, I had a unit of 20 go down to one man and go all the way back up to 20 um, on the very next turn. Uh, and it doesn't happen often, uh, but if you're really clever about using Obscuring Terrain to keep you know a third of your unit outside of uh, line of sight, then they often can't kill them down to the last man. And you can really reliably bring a lot of Necrons back now when you didn't used to be able to. Um, so that I, has been really, really fun and exciting for me. I'm surprised, Brian, you didn't mention the Doomscythe strat. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, I don't love that. Um, uh, I don't love it for a lot of reasons. Uh, mostly, I have too many scarred memories of it being used against me as a Tau player. Um, <laughs> so I almost like don't want to subject others to it because it's been the bane of my existence so many times. But also, it's a it's, it's kind of a, it's an all-in strategy, and I don't really like those kinds of those tactics. Uh, I like things that you can... Uh, um, are, are a little easier to pull off. They don't require you going first. They don't require you keeping a single unit safe, and that one does. Yeah, from from a game design perspective, I agree with you, Brian. From a game design perspective, I also don't like that it's you can't interact with it as an opponent. It's just something that you just kind of, I guess you could not spread out, not could not keep your units all together, um, but there's really not much interacting with it. Your opponent basically just picks the best spot 
that they can where they can maximize the mortal wounds and it happens. The so. uh, other thing I'll say that I really like about Necrons in the new edition is destroyers. Uh, first mm-hmm. of all, they have the infantry keyword, so they benefit from terrain, which is amazing. Wait, they have the infantry destroyers, the mm-hmm. the big the big zoom zoom bots. Oh yeah, infantry keyword. No, they don't zoom that fast. But yes. Oh, fair enough. Those big zoom bots. So, excuse me. They have native zoom. Uh, come in from deep strike reserve, and they hit extremely hard with the strats that they have. And in cover, they have a two up armor save, and there's still reanimation protocols, three wounds, T5. So, once again, if you don't eliminate all of them once they've come in on the exactly where you don't want them to, then up, they're all back again. So, I think that destroyers are uniquely situated to be a relevant unit and knife just for all the reserves and toughness and shooting that they bring to this game. Yeah, and we've seen some of the new weapons on the destroyers coming out. Mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. Uh, some of the heavy weapons look pretty, like they hit really hard. I want to give a special shout out to some of the Indominus models. Like I've been loving the Warden um, because now that, that I can't screen, yeah, now that I can't screen my army with flying tanks, I actually just screen with infantry, and uh, I can fall back and shoot and reanimate. And that's been working really well with the Warden. And I I love the new my will be done on the new uh, Overlord. Um, be, uh, because it's just a lot better. I get to use it on any unit I want, including a tank or a, uh, a big vehicle. And uh, I'm, I think if that's if these are hints at what's to come with the Codex, um, the army's going to be a lot more efficient. Right on. Okay, uh, is there anything else Peter wants to add to that? No, I mean, th- th- they've highlighted the big uh, big units. Most of the Necron players I talked to have kind of been holding their breath, waiting for the Codex. Um, lists I've been seeing, just uh, everything you described. Wardens, uh, I think the only thing we didn't mention were Doomsday Arcs, because they didn't get bad. Um, Doomsides. I've seen people uh, moving into Praetorians. I think that's more of as a prep for what they've seen yes, coming for them. Prep. <laughs> um, because they look so much better coming up. So I've seen some unique lists coming out where they've been testing those out, you know, under the auspice that they're just going to be so much better. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And and that's that's one thing, too. If you're a Necron player and maybe you're a little discouraged or, or you feel like your faction isn't good until you get to the book, the, that, the traditional Necron list from last edition didn't change much. The, you know, the triple Doomsite. Tri- yeah, it's triple Doomsite, triple Doomsday Arc. You know, it, it's still the same thing. You just Your warriors are just a little better because they, they play the mission a lot better now. So, uh, anyways... Yeah. All right. Go ahead and move on to the next faction, uh, which is uh, Harlequins. Uh, Harlequins are uh, there's one unit that I think defines the whole codex, uh, and that is Starweaver bikes. Um, I mean, there's the you, solitaire as well. I'm sorry, Skyweaver, not Starweaver. Skyweaver. The, I mean, but Starweavers are seeing play, so yes, you're not wrong. Yeah, but you're right. So, so uh, Harlequin lists have traditionally always been very, very cookie cutter, very spammy, very straightforward. Uh, what Brian? What makes Harlequins different? Actually, we'll go with Peter this time. Peter, what makes Harlequins different in this edition from Eighth Edition? Why are they so much better than they were in Eighth Edition? Basically? Well, their White Dwarf Psychic Awakening was absolutely spectacular, except they didn't have the CP to do anything with it, Nate. And now they do. So, um, troops became 
absolutely baller in this edition. Uh, fusion boats, so putting them in Star Weaver so you get that extra bit of protection. Um, we're seeing a lot of Harlequin lists performing very well uh, as Frozen Stars. Um, we're still seeing Soaring Spite out there. Uh, Matthew Bodnarchuk won the Boardroom Brawl, a 1,750-point uh, GT with Harlequins. Um, Colin McDade uh, went 5-1 and one at Flying Monkey with Harlequins. Like, they're posting up results, and most of the lists are these, like, um, I shouldn't call them heavy, but decently heavy troop lists that are backed up by the Skyweavers because they didn't get terrible. Um, they've got their Star Weavers, and that Troop Master from Frozen Stars um, that basically turns into a time bomb on top of your Solitaire, so that turn three or turn four, he starts charging in and murdering everything he sees with like, close to a billion attacks. Um, they are a, a like devastating army that that can hold out long enough now um, to you know to make the kill shot where they couldn't before. Usually, they were tabled before they had that chance. Yeah, right on. Uh, Brandon, Brian, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the things that's great about them is uh, they have the fallback shoot and charge, and now those are pretty rare these days, so they they ignore one of those big minuses that the other Eldar um, and flying armies got. So that's been uh, really efficient for them. And, yeah, the Skyweaver bikes are fantastic. I've been seeing uh, us taking them on the channel more in the the five-man squads trying to avoid the blast. and and really just they do it all they're so easy to keep alive now for a five turn game compared to a six turn game and also because you don't necessarily have to go hot turn one you could it's more of a four turn game and if you're talking about a four turn game harlequins can can be a threat for those four turns uh, a lot a lot better than they could have for six so there's just so much about the way the missions changed and uh how they can be a little more patient engage when they want to engage and, and when they get to do that and hit as a uh, a coordinated force they're uh, they're extremely powerful Brandon do you have any extra tidbits for Harlequin players I think we've pretty much covered it all I think so yeah right on okay we're gonna go and move on to the next faction this is gonna be Gene Steeler Colts uh, voted uh, across the board unanimously on the chapter tactics super official scientific power ranking <laughs> poll Gene Steeler Colts were voted last by everyone Yep. Uh, consensusly, has anything changed? A, uh, Brandon, and B, what do you what do you see for Gene Circles playing out in the future? Do you see them souping into Tyranids and Astro Militarum, Brandon, or do you see them do you see them kind of sticking to pure Gene Circles lists like what we saw in the LVO? So, the problem is that in Ninth Edition, everyone has access to putting their stuff in outflank, and that was kind of the thing that made Gene Stealer Colts special. <laughs> so the fact that everyone has access to that, it's much harder to point Gene Steeler Cult effectively, and I don't think that's happened yet. Uh, there's definitely, I think, a play for doing a Horde-style Gene Steeler Cult list, where you just bring in uh, mobs of dudes that are obsec with embedded LAS cannons that shoot at 18 inches, and um, just rely on having more bodies than they have bullets. I don't think it's very good, um, in terms of like, is it going to beat the top tier list? Maybe not. But I do think that it's a, a really nice for exploiting an edge in the meta where everyone's expecting space marine equivalents and vehicles and you show up with 300 infantry models. Mm. Um, so mm-hmm. that's definitely a thing. Otherwise, um, a lot of their stuff just makes me really sad. Like aberrants have fallen really far from where they were at the heights of aberrant times back in eighth. Um, 
So I'm struggling to find that niche that Gene Steeler cult can pull off other than we arrive from reserve, we shoot a lot, we kill your front line, and then we die. Yeah, now, before Brandon, uh, before uh, Peter and Brian jump in, uh, it does feel to me very much like the there the gene circle army that you want to play depends entirely on where what direction the meta sh- shifts so if we if we see a meta shift towards vehicle killing uh a meta that favors knights that achilles ridge runner list at the lvo might not do so hot however uh if we see i'm sorry the opposite it might not do yeah. so hot but a horde list will do really well um depending on how many blast templates people go if they go the opposite direction hordes are bad the Achilles original list looks okay. So that's kind of where I'm at with Gene Circle in terms of evaluating them. Uh, Brian and Peter, do you have anything more to add to this? Brian, you go, yeah, first. Brian, you go first. Yeah, I think Ridge Runners are fantastic, but it's one of those things that you're really going to run out and buy uh, nine Ridge Runners, um, and then you know you'll you'll be at the mercy of the meta. If that if that sounds great to you, go do it because they are super they are super strong. Um, but you're going to find matchups where someone can just pop these light vehicles. And oh yeah. Especially uh, when, when you compare them to yeah. the space marine vehicles that are coming right. out that are similar, the uh, the bikes, um, the yeah. ATVs. Yeah, if people are checking for the ATVs. Then your Ridge Runner is going to be very, very sad. You're going to be in big trouble. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so, um, I you know I feel like a broken record sometimes, but the thing that's working for me is um, min squads in transports uh, checking into some of the best lists I think I've written have been uh, almost fifty percent guard uh, just for point efficiency um and i just try to overwhelm on the mission i don't really try to worry about being the bully on the board having these big smash units that are going to take you out i i just try to go heads down and focus on the mission yeah that what brian said is what i was going for the list i've been seeing people trying to make where they're trying to make gene steeler cults work it's um a bunch of neophyte squads with uh mining lasers and then you've got Brood Brothers in Chimeras, and you know, you've know you got 10 or 15 transports or whatever you need. Uh, yep. Uh, it looks like you muted yourself, Peter. Oh, no. Okay. Anyway, you have one hammer unit, and you hope for the best. And um, I'm not sure it works. Like you said, Ridge Runners are still great, um, but Space Brains are about to get a way better Ridge Runner. Like, way better. <laughs> Um, stupidly Doesn't better. Look better. <laughs> Damn it, Space Marines! You so can I still don't get know. the style points as a as a as a GSC player. You'll still get the style points. You'll the... you'll yeah you'll get the style points, but you you won't get the good points. So yep. it'll be it'll be rough. But anyway, yeah, it's it's a sad time for Gene. I'm hearing the summary as you can't out efficiency anyone, so just try and score uh, the mission and win that way. Play like uh, Viet Wind did at Flying Monkey and, and with his Death Corps like whatever he had 12 centaurs with a bunch of uh, grenadier squads in them and he somehow lost a game scoring 95 points and drew a game scoring 92 um wait wait how okay that that's uh, that's another day that's a that's a stat center blurb if i've ever heard it but yeah well there you go something to think about is you can have all the board control in the world and still lose 95 points i would take a 95 point loss personally but all right, Dark Eldar are up next. Uh, we are missing our resident Archons, Mr. Scarry. So let's do him proud by talking about how bad his faction is. Uh, starting with Peter this time. Okay, Dark Eldar are bad, but they do have a couple lists that have started to see a little bit of success. Um, Gabe Delalo and um, Cody Giroux. Co- yeah, Cody. Uh, 
they both ran very similar lists. Gabe Delolo went, I believe, second at that uh, 48 player event in uh, South Australia. Cody went four and zero before he got to his first loss, I believe, and then he lost back to back at uh, Flying Monkey. But uh, they basically had exactly the same list, mi- minus one or two models. It's um, you get your Cabal of the Blackheart kind of minimum uh, detachment because. Um, Vect is still extremely is extremely good. It'll always will be. And then you've got your uh, Venoms, usually as um, um, Master Mutagens and Dark Technomancers. So you can kill Primaris stuff real good. And then you've got lots of racks and lots of Grotesques. And you try to go for that board control and while still having a lot of uh, movement and momentum. And the Forge World, uh, what's it called? Raider? Reaper? Reaper. The one that has that like half movement when it shoots? Yes, the Reaper. Yeah, that's uh, that has become a unit that just appeared out of nowhere because um, it adds to that extra uh, board control by limiting how your opponent moves. Um, it's not a perfect list, but it it actually has legs. Yeah, so I, I had the pleasure of commentating on uh, Cody's list or Cody's matchup against um, Dan. I think on David, on David, uh, excuse one of the Salamanders players. Um, uh, and with Adam Solis from TFG Radio this weekend, and I was really surprised by how how much play the Dark Elder player could have had against the Salamanders. He obviously he got steamrolled. Unfortunately, he uh, went second against a Salamanders player, who then proceeded to just outflank all of his important units onto the board and crush him. However, I I think that Cody probably could have reserved some units, like he could have reserved the Re- the Ravagers or the Reapers. Uh, and made, maybe played a cagier game, but the Dark Elder list on paper looked good. You had the fat and the the grotesques and the racks. Um, you had Venom Spam, which I think is is really good. Uh, this edition, and then uh, more importantly, that triple Pretold detachment gives you a lot of flexibility. That's the same amount of flexibility the triple Battalion got you in Eighth uh, Edition. So it's just instead of a triple Battalion, it's a triple Patrol. And I th- I think I, unfortunately I don't think Dark Elder lists i don't think there's very much more variety than that oh drezar. Um, i think that's oh and drezar is really good drezar is super good yeah but i don't think there's more variety than than cody's list uh at flying monkey con but uh brian and brandon what do you guys think about dark eldar i i think that's um in, they're one of those armies that uh, the most skilled players could actually get do work out of because they're still fast um they can still do msu really well which works great um but they're all as always uh they're paper thin and they can die so fast and so many armies have efficiencies over them that makes it really tough and now that you can just run around and tag some of their best vehicles you don't even have to kill them you can just kind of uh really have several turns where you drop the efficiency of the army so it takes a really skilled player to kind of look at the chessboard and see where people can move and get into you um so whatever list you build um i don't have great advice <laughs> on your list build but you're going to have to practice your movement aggressively with that army because that's the only way to make it work. Okay, Brandon? I'll agree, especially if you've been playing Dark Eldar and been assuming everything has the fly keyword and it's going to save you that way. So you're going to need to practice moving your vehicles in such a way, or your fire support at least, so that it's not going to get tagged as easily. Um, I think units of racks, for example, for screens, totally excellent. They're super tough. Okay, right on. So we're running out of time here, so we're going to start picking up the pace a little bit on these factions, starting with Craftworld Eldar. Uh, whoever has whoever's the strongest opinion, go. Wave Serpents, take them. 
<laughs> wave serpents they're, are really good. They're amazing. Uh, what about shining uh, spears? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think wave serpent spans that I've seen are solid um, because a lot of the, the the weapons people are bringing to drop other tanks just don't drop wave serpents that fast. And then you've got some opsec inside, or you can even have some combat support inside in the form of your wraith blades. Um, so all of that works pretty well, and uh, you know the serpent shields ability uh, is still super clutch when you need it and so i've seen those lists uh doing great uh the problem is of course the serpents can still get tagged and, and if you have expensive guns on them which is sometimes the way to go with them uh, i think these days uh that can take a lot of getting used to as well yeah i agree wave serpent spam on paper looks like some of the best elder lists peter yeah no uh, wave serpents Two or three, maybe even four. Excellent. Um, Nick Nadavati was practicing with a Dire Avenger spam list that seemed to have some legs, but it had some really bad matchups with Asserman. Um, I'm really into these lists I'm seeing with Warwalkers and Wraith Lords because Wraith Lords are still so efficient for how tough a body they are. And Warwalkers, um, they shoot a lot of missiles for their points. So like they're, they're all these really efficient, very fast-moving units um, that can actually take a hit. Um, so I'm interested to see where those go. Um, a really good podcast to listen to for this uh, because there were so many differing views. Uh, Best in Faction has kind of been doing these faction focuses. And I liked the Eldar one probably the most because it's three top players, four top players um, talking about Eldar. And they all have like very divergent views on how they think it should be played in ninth. So you get a lot of good information out of that. It's not a lot of the normal like, yeah, what you said is right. It's like four guys that are like, no, you're wrong. This unit is actually amazing. So... Um, I think you get a lot out of that hearing like these different viewpoints on how to play the list. I'm really into the Warwalkers, Wraith Lords, and then backed up by the um, like Wave Serpent support, but who knows? They, right they haven't seen too many good results out of Eldar yet. Okay, the next faction up on the docket is the first Chaos faction, Thousand Suns. Uh, Thousand Suns are, are they, where, where do they stand? Well, they don't have two wounds yet, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's true. When when they get that, I think we can make a very different argument. But uh, at the moment, um, it feels like they just are too expensive and they don't get quite the board control they need um, to make it work. But if I'm trying to make them work, and I love this faction, the Terminators are the standard unit for me mm-hmm. uh, with their strat support. They're so tough, and they can actually dish it out in every phase of the game. Um, so that is absolutely my go-to unit that I do the most work with. Right on. Yeah. What about Magnus? How, is, he, is he the worst Primarch now? Is he Mortarian Gilman beat out old Maggie? I don't know. I still think that Magnus in the right hands is super brutal because um, nobody can spam smites anymore. The Brotherhood of Psychers rule is gone. Except that Magnus's smites are incredible amounts of damage per smite. So I feel mm-hmm. like he's keeping that mortal boons efficiency that you would have lost if you just took three other psychers. And on top of that, I think he's a super good model to throw buffs on. So he can get that three plus plus. He can be minus one to hit. Uh, and then he can warp time himself backwards. So yeah. especially with obscuring terrain, he can get into some really nasty threatening situations where you can't really retaliate against him. Except that whatever you throw forward that's tough, he's going to smite it off the board. Um, especially with his targeted smite abilities where he picks the unit that takes the mortals. Um, I thought so, he didn't benefit so, from the uh, obscuring terrain. Yeah, he doesn't. He has too many wounds. Oh, excellent. Well, in that but case, he's, he's not going to be able to get out of line of sight, but he is going to be able to move 16 plus inches with a warp time. 
So he's going to be pretty safe if that goes off. If you ever watch TJ Lanigan play him in eighth, uh, the, when he was running him in a list, that's exactly what he'd do. He'd move him up and then warp time him back like repeatedly to get the most use out of him. Um, for Thousand Suns, I think right now, at least until we uh, we see them bump those wounds up, um, there's still going to be that like that extra detachment you run in your chaos soup because Ariman is still fantastic. Um, they have the best you know targeted smites in the game. Um, their psychic sports just off, off the charts, and you can always fill it out. Because rubrics aren't terrible, um, so if you want to take a battalion, um, you can go that way. Or uh, like Mark Perry ran a battalion with um, Zangors uh, because you can get them in pretty cheap, so they can hold board. They do well in that regard, and they can kill characters sometimes uh, when your opponent isn't ready for it because they do get bonuses to that. Um, so like Thousand Suns as a mono faction aren't I don't think where they need to be, but like in any chaos soup you always want them because just because of that that they're so powerful psychically. Right on. Let's go on to uh, Death Guard. I was kind of disappointed by Death Guard's performance so far to date in 9th edition. Uh, a lot of people had high hopes for him. I expected like a competitor to Space Marines, um, which isn't necessarily what we got. But Peter, you sound like you have some uh, opinions there. Go to what are, what's good about Death Guard right now. So we've seen we have seen some good results out of Death Guard. Um, not at Flying Monkey. I, fl- I believe there was only one five and one Death Guard at Flying Monkey, but they yep. also only had like four players. Um, so it wasn't like there was a ton of, of people there showing up to, to, to show their worth. Um, we've seen Alex Petford get second place with the Death Guard list um, at the Vanguard uh, Super Series. Um, we've seen some other results out of Death Guard. The Chaos Spawn, getting that 5-plus feel-no-pain, they're so efficient. Um, Nurgling Spam, which is more of a you know Chaos Demons thing, but Death Guard can take them too. Absolutely brutal for anybody. Um yeah, I think Death Guard are still in a very good place if the right person is playing with them. They just haven't shown up to a tournament yet, um, other than Petford, um, the, because you know, we're so we're so lacking in them. I mean, the Plague Marine bomb is still terrifying. You can take two squads of Plague Marines and Rhinos, and one of them's going to make it where it needs to go, and then that's a lot of mortal wounds on the thing you like the most in the world. Yeah, I, I've yeah. been really loving the Death Guard, and I think they're by far the strongest chaos uh, that there is right now. And uh, one of the challenges with them, if you're playing, let's say, the, the big space space frame blobs like the, the Poxmongers or whatever, going for efficiency there, um, is they have so many buffing characters that are required. And that means that they just can't put their presence everywhere. Um, they can usually only go to this one side of the board, and then you can play around them because they're slow. They don't have a lot of range. Um, but they're, they are really, really powerful at just grabbing a section of the board and making that definitively theirs because they're so hard to remove with shooting. Um, whether you've got the Terminators or the Plague Marines, they're so hard to remove with shooting. And often they're unchargeable because the uh, Biologist Putrefire makes them fight first, which is all of a sudden, in my opinion, like the most powerful aura in, in, on any character in the game almost um, is you've just got that 7-inch or 9-inch, whatever it is, uh, fight last. It's so strong, and it just means that uh, so many Assault Armies can't do anything because as soon as they run into a 10-man or 20-man Plague Marine or 10-man Terminator squad, no one can survive that. No. And once 
Plague Marines go up to two wounds, I really hope they get like a really big point increase because um, if you start doing the math on what it takes to kill a 10-man squad of Plague Marines with two wounds, um, if they want to pop the their like two feel-no-pain strats, it gets really ridiculous. Like 20 Gene Stealers fully buffed kill like one and a half Plague Marines. Yeah, um, I was about to say that too. So like it's the equivalent of, of giving them a three plus invulnerable save, right? Um, so it's it gets pretty brutal. They are already in a really good place. Like Brian said, their their negative right now is definitely their speed. Um, but you know, if you watch Mark Perry play them on Art of War, um, he plays them so aggressively that you can you can surprise people. And there's nothing like watching John Lennon put probably two full rounds of shooting into five chaos spawn and kill like two, and just see the like that look of sadness on his face um, when he realizes he made that mistake. And so the other yeah, thing like, is they they really are in a good spot. When you're saying that they're slow, they can fit in rhinos or just teleport in. So. They can get yeah. where they need to go if you build your list correctly. And the multiple layers of resilience in the list, I think they're great for getting to that mid mid board and basically saying, you can't come here because you can't charge us. And if you get close, we're going to mortal wound bomb you. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges. So you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash instantinkspotify. Mm-hmm. That's so, exactly it. Their speed used to be a problem, but now they only need to get mid-board, which they can do almost first turn. Um, but it does mean that if they're in the wrong position on the board, it's hard for them to get to the other half of the board and fix their mistakes. Yeah, but they're All right. resilient enough that it takes a while for that mistake to be a problem. Alright, so let's go ahead and move on to the next faction. Chaos Space Marines. Uh, are Disco Lords still good? What, what's the Chaos Space Marine list? Is it just a soupy version of Chaos? Or are they in a really bad spot? I like Noise Marines. I think Noise Marines are really powerful right now. I also think Obliterators are pretty strong. Um <laughs> Uh, because you know they they shoot just as well as they used to, but they they have, in my opinion, better targets to often go for these days. And they also, on a smaller board, their their threat range is a, is a, is pretty good. I've been liking running them as Alpha Legion and, and making them untargetable because um, they have a cool strat to do that, and um, that can work pretty well when you have a, a super powerful unit like that that can't be can't be taken back. Now, what do you guys say to the Chaos Space Marine players who who think that they're one of the worst factions now, now that the GW announced that we're no longer allowed to use the Vigilist attachments? They're totally fine. I mean, Chaos has enough units that are solid without those books. Like, even Possessed. Like, nobody's taking a Possessed star and trying to overbuff it now. But still, nine Possessed and a Rhino... um, are still devastating. One, because that rhino doesn't necessarily need to move in advance across the table to be useful because people have to come to the objectives in order to win the game. Um, and two, because Possessed still hit super, super hard, even without Psychic Awakening. So you can go through the Chaos book and find units and strategies that are still very viable uh, just because of the number of units that they have that are still very efficient. Yeah, I, I agree. I also think they have some of the best uh, allied HQ choices in the game. Obviously, Armon, uh, either of the Primarchs. Um, you've got some good 
you got uh, Chaos Lord beat sticks now with Thunder Hammers. Um, I, yeah, I think they've got some play. So we're going to skip Chaos Knights uh, and talk about them next. But Chaos Demons are next up on the list. Let's talk about Chaos Demons. Is it just Nurglings and players? <laughs> Nurglings everywhere. <laughs> Is that it? Is that the... If I'm not going to mention the Nurglings, then I'm going to mention the Keeper of Secrets. Uh, yes, that's my yes. absolutely favorite Exalted Keeper of Secrets, even taking three Exalted Keeper of Secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, they're so, so strong, and uh, they're far and away the best uh, Greater Demon that I, uh, of the four. Yeah, we're seeing um, a lot of really good results out of uh, Mono Demons, but it's it almost everyone's running the exact same list, or or slight variations. It's two to three Keepers of Secrets, um, usually a Lord of Change in there as well, because you can make one practically unkillable, and it gives you a lot of psychic support. Um, and they, they're not bad in combat either. Um, and then, like, Nurglings for days, maybe some Demonettes. But, um, like, Nurglings, probably too undercosted for what they do. There's a couple Nurgling lists out there that are a little too silly. Um, you know, fifty to forty to sixty Nurgling bases. Um, where if you're not running something that also has a scout deploy, um, there's a lot of lists that just lose to it without kill without the opponent killing anything. They just you know bus stop, flood the board, and sit there. Um, as long as they don't go into certain marine lists or like uh, Admech. Um, but the the greater demons with with that nurgling support is a very very strong list, and like Brian said, Keeper of Secrets is so brutal. Contorted Epitome got so much better with the FAQ where you can't uh, where you have to at least roll off for uh, Desperate Breakout to work against it. Um, so that has kind of seen its way slotted back in everybody's lists as well. It's uh, they're in a good place, but it's kind of like a a one trick pony list. It's just a beautiful list to look at though too, with all those yeah, big I- demons running around. Yeah, I would say those two Chaos Demon lists, specifically the Nurglings, I'd say that they're the the number one gatekeeper right now. They're the you're going to get to me in round four, and if you can't beat me, you 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 can't win a tournament. Luckily, a lot it's not being played a lot. It's just where it's getting played. It is like yeah. it's it's the cancerous list, right? It's Nobody wants to paint up. I, I think more people are going to start playing it. Well, we'll we'll see. The other thing too is that Nurglings don't get a feel of pain if you do two or more damage, and I think we're yeah. going to see a lot and more damage to weapons. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, so let's go ahead and talk about knights. So I want to lump knights and chaos knights, imperial knights and chaos knights in together. I know they're different, uh, but they play similarly enough for me to feel comfortable lumping them in there. Uh, so where do knights stand? Uh, I I know for a fact the pure knight list is not a good list. It's even even if the meta shifts in a direction for knights to be very good, the, even then the pure knight list isn't like a top list. It's like a good gatekeeper list at that point. So that's the ceiling for the pure knight list. So w- instead of focusing on that, I want to focus on who good allies are for knights and what what are some potential lists you see going down the road uh, for Imperium lists or Chaos lists that want to ally in a knight. I'll go with surprisingly Admech. Um I've had some experiences with the new cavalry unit that Admech have, for example. Cerberus Raiders? Yes. So one of the big problems that knights have is board control in the sense of screening units. And I think Admech is actually very solid for screening now with scouting. And um, if you're taking a Mechanicus list that's pure, you can take some of those Imperial Knights under the Mechanicus banner. So you cannot break Mechanicus while doing it. So I think that they're uniquely situated to be a great ally for Imperial Knights by providing the um, screening and the backfield objective holding that Knights are missing out on. 
Yeah, Han Mech okay. is absolutely my favorite partner as well. It's so thematic, and there are even a few extra abilities like giving them canticles from time to time, um, which can be really useful when you need it. Um, and Han Mech's a, a very powerful faction. Um, I think you can watch the meta and find out if knights are going to work, right? If you've got um, a ton of vehicles that you want to pop, you know, maybe you find that some of these really um, uh, good tank-killing knights, whether that be thermal cannons or even the Castellan, um, could, make a, could make a comeback. Um, my uh, uh, fun pick is I'm actually really enjoying the, the Valiant right now. I think it's uh, really cool and a lot of fun. I don't know if it's your strongest pick, but... I love the Valiant. Uh, it's, uh, it's really it's a great model to put on the board. You'll have fun with it. Uh, I also really like what Knights got in Engine War as well. Uh, there, there's some, more specifically for Imperial Knights, uh, but there's some really interesting rules in there. Uh, you can make it so that Gallants don't degrade anymore unless they're over 6. So they don't, they're always moving 12 inches, and then they're getting plus 1 to hit when they're below 12 wounds. So they're always hitting on 2s, and then they're always moving 12 inches for the entire time they're alive. So you have to fully kill a Knight Gallant down to lower its effectiveness. Um, and they're cheap. They're 400 points. It's on the dot. Uh, so I really like that. I, I think there's definitely some play with allies, uh, but pure Knight lists are, are not great. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Imperial Knights in particular, uh, I think Renegade Knights, you can make play with a, a mono-faction Renegade Knight list. It is not easy, um, but yeah. they have enough flex with their... Um, War Dogs. Yeah, with War Dogs just being so much better than the uh, Imperium version, um, where they can make you can make it work. I do think you probably just want to ally in some Nurglings uh, because uh, everyone should if you can, um, at least right now. Uh, but yeah, Renegade Knights do have it um, at that um, Adelaide GT. It was Renegade Knights at the top table against Orcs, so uh, that was a guy that went. Uh, you got your T Whip, your four and O. Um, Imperial Knights, I do like the Warden because of that stratagem where he basically turns his Gatling Cannon into a Flamer. I think I love that. Um, I also kind of, uh, in a world where, uh, Baby Marines are getting two and three wounds, having a damage three battle cannon on a Paladin might not be terrible either. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they go. I agree 100% with Brandon and Brian that Admech is probably your best, uh, ally in that case. But an honorable yeah, we'll, we'll mention talk about... for guard for similar reasons. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, um, well, let's go ahead and move on to uh, Astra Militarum. Uh, nothing to say here; they're bad. Uh, matter of fact, I'm pretty sure GW is phasing them out, right, Brandon? There's no, there's no good Astra Militarum list. Um, I would hope that eventually guard get the Primaris treatment with new plastic models. <laughs> <laughs> and two wounds each. No, none of that. They're still ordinary humans. They're going to Conscript become regular space wounds. marines, Brandon. That's the primary. So, Anyways, disadvantage of guard right now is the uh, lack of good scouting uh, compared to other armies. I mean, yes, you can bring scout sentinels, but they're almost too easy to tie up in melee now. Like it's harder to tie up things in melee now because bigger units have harsher coherency restrictions. But a single scout sentinel is just begging to be surrounded and tied up so you can't fall back except by using two CP. And then you're just shooting yourself in the foot in the early game. So for guard, I see the three big bread and butter units are either um, loads of heavy flamers or bulgrins or both to deal with melee threats. Because if people are giving your vehicles a gentle tap, you don't want them to stop shooting. So I'm thinking that... Um, Vehicles that do well when they're being tied up by chaff, like Torox Primes and Hellhounds, are probably going to make a comeback. 
uh, Camaras with double heavy flamer, thanks to the new 12-inch range, I think are going to make a comeback, particularly with Talarn, where they can advance and still shoot their weapons. Um, and then Demolisher Tank Commanders. You are going to see a lot of Demolisher Tank Commanders, in my opinion, because mm -hmm. it's one of the best damage-dealing options that Guard have. And finally, uh, honorable mention to Manticores with full payload with a Hunter-Killer Missile, because it makes a Hunter-Killer Missile do a flat 6 damage um, instead of rolling for it. So I think they have plenty of firepower. They're just going to need to figure out screening in this new edition to be effective, and they're still going to struggle more than most in controlling midfield objectives when going second into armies like Nurglings or other things that can scout and just cover the board and bodies turn one. That's good. Brian and Peter. He, he nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair like, enough. Brandon should just solo the show from here forward. Uh Fair enough. Adept Adeptus Mechanicus are up next. Uh, there, this is uh, probably, I think, one of the hottest, top three hottest armies in Ninth Edition right now. Uh, they they just look so cool. The models are great. Their the rules are unique. They feel very fresh right now. Uh, what are some what are some kind of uh, units to look out for if you're new to Admic or if you're new to playing against Admic that you you think everyone should watch out for? And what's what's the best Admic list you've seen so far? This is open to anyone who wants to take it away. Um, I just played an Admech list that was pretty great. Um, it had the Dune Striders with the um, Icarus Arrays, and uh, all everything was Mars, so of course it was a cast of characters, including Call himself, some Electro Priest units, melee and shooting, and the new Cavalry units, um, plus some other support. Um, so first of all, the Electro Priests with their shooting attacks and the Mars stratagem can do something like 10 mortal wounds with the shooting before rolling for damage. Um, so you get full call rerolls on hits, you get bonus hits. If you're in the right um, canticle, then you get even more bonuses to your shooting. And um, the strat you use for 2 CP is sixes to wound or mortals. So when you're shooting 30 times with a unit with full rerolls, you get plenty of hits. And if you get lucky on those rolls, that is a lot of mortal wounds for 2 CP from 12 inches away. Um, and they can start in a transport, which... Well, they can go in, for example, a deep striking termite, um, or they can come out of the dune striders or whatever those transports are, the hovercrafts. Um, so I think that they're going to be a really solid army for doing mid early midfield board control with their scouting cavalry that can fall back for one CP 12 inches when you charge it uh, before you do your charge move, um, combined with um, the mortal wounds that Mars can put out on these high number of shots or number of hits attacks especially paired with call um so they've got the damage and they've got the board control to be especially relevant in this edition i i absolutely agree admech is uh at this point probably my largest collection and i'm, I'm super excited that everything in that range got better um between their between engine war and, and ninth edition and i've been really loving my iron striders um particularly with auto cannons uh mm -hmm. they're so fast they move and shoot and uh they can go from being hidden to just in the right position and, and shooting, and they hit so uh, aggressively, like they can almost always hit on twos, um, and uh, their auto cannons go to strength eight with Mars, and uh, which is which is crazy given how many shots they have <laughs> and the, the fact that they almost always hit. Um, so I love them. They're, they, they can die pretty easily, and they'll give up secondaries, but uh, they're fast. You can keep them safe. 
So I think uh, uh, that's, for output, one of my favorite. The other one that's an obvious output unit is the Castellan robots. They used to have uh, just so many weaknesses that there were drawbacks. Now, if you keep them in their um, AGS protocol, they'll just keep moving around the board. You don't really need to worry about double shooting except for this maybe one turn where you have them in the position you want them to be in. But you, they're pretty fast, right? They move eight. They can come up, stay, stay safe, come up, get into position. They're super durable. And they'll just keep shooting you no matter what you do, right? They'll, they'll shoot and shoot. You'll touch them. They'll keep shooting you. And they have the volume of shots. But if you tag them with something, it'll only take half the unit to blow up the thing that's tagging them. And the other half can still speculatively shoot at it something else. So I've been loving the Castellan robots as well. Um, one unit you haven't brought up, um, and maybe I missed it, is the bomber. The bomber is absolutely ridiculous with that ability to pivot mid-move. Um, you can easily um, go in, drop bombs with two of them or three if you wanted to go that route, um, and then get out in the same movement um, over and over again. It puts out so much damage with those mortals. Um, really good at cleaning up stuff that the rest of the army may struggle with. Um, because like Brian mentioned, like the Iron Strider Ballastari are fantastic. They're only AP1, though, so there's certain units that just don't care. Um, but when you're you know flying over uh, willy-nilly dropping mortals on top of that, on top of all the more... Uh, Mars be uh, benefits you can get with mortals. Um, they're an excellent unit. Raiders already mentioned. Mitch Pelham has been developing some kind of mixed lists using um, Admech, and he's all in on Skystalkers, running like 30 of them he thinks is the greatest thing in the world. Um, they have a ton of shots, and they can lock units up in combat, so there's definitely some benefit there, especially with their speed. Um, I think, yeah, Admech are in a great spot. The interesting thing will be when we start actually seeing results out of them because um, I think there was a kind of expectation that they would come out of the gate as kind of like the quote-unquote S-tier army, um, but the points increases, I think, uh, threw some people off. Um, we're still seeing people like Richard Siegler building Admech to run. Um, they definitely have play. I'm just waiting for those results to start coming in, if and when they do. Yeah, Admech are great. I don't want to add any more to this. Uh, I just feel like Admech don't have any bad units. Oh, they do. Models. I mean, if Ruststockers are right. good. Ruststockers, yeah. Sicarian, Sicarians aren't... I've seen people play Sicarians. <laughs> well, anyways, that's besides the point. They they have... I, I feels like they have more good units than bad units, and uh, I'm with you, Peter. Uh, I can't wait to see what the, the Admech list is, or it's probably going to be two or three different styles of variations of lists, um, but you really can't go wrong with any of the units we mentioned uh, so far. Uh, all right. Let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Uh, this is Adeptus Custodes. Uh, we have, <laughs> we, we have, uh, an Adeptus Custodius player in the house. He isn't very we good. Two. We have oh, two. we have two. We have two. You're right. Uh, we have one who's, who's better than the other. Uh, but anyways, what do you guys see out of Custodius in ninth edition so far? Um, from a results perspective, custodies are right now doing extremely well from a win percentage aspect. They're in like the 60s to uh, to 70s almost, but they haven't won anything. I They look a lot like Imperial Knights did after their first FAQ, um, where they were this low to mid table destroyer of worlds, but they could they were they always met their kryptonite by the end of a tournament. Um, you could occasionally get a GT win out of them. You'd have people like Junior or Flahey that could play them to like the finals at a major or super major. Um, but they always seem to be a little bit short. Um, so I, I think it's just a matter of time to see where people go with them because they're like there's no two lists that are the same for any Custodes player because the, the book itself is so strong. Um, Alaris Terminators are my favorite thing in the world. 
Um, I love them absolutely to death. I think every list should have six, but if you don't run six, I also don't think you're wrong because the book is so strong. Um, I'm really leaning into Agamatis Custodes uh, because of the Space Marine threat. The only problem with them is they're a million dollars per bike um, because Forge World. Um, but like they do so much work at flat three damage, strength six AP three against a lot of the things that I don't like seeing on the board. Um, yeah, like Custodes in, in general, and I'll let Brian talk about them more because he's an actual better player than I am, but Custodes are just so good right now that we just need to find a list that can deal with uh, like all comers um, efficiently. I Yeah, I love I love the Custodes. I've been so excited for them. They were one of the first armies I was playtesting for ninth, and it's clear with the extra CP, they have the ability to do all those great tricks. They can deep strike in when they need to. They can create a few invincible characters. Um and they can also uh, throttle for durability, particularly on their Alaris Terminators. Um, so the Alaris are my number one pick because of their durability, their ability to ignore AP, um, and then uh, have their equivalent to transhuman on top of them in addition. And then when you stack that with Emperor's Auspice to stop all rerolls, you've got a unit that's just not worth shooting at. And often you can get them right into the heart of your opponent's army where they have no choice but to attempt to shoot at them. So uh, you can create these bad situations. Um, I've seen people try to do double Terminator bombs. My, my good friend Bridger on the channel does that as well. Um, it's often you don't leave enough points to do the other things you want. I've been finding that the Talamon's been working well for me, even with the nerf to the uh, half damage strat. It's still super durable mm -hmm. with the strat support. And um, he's been the best for screening my characters, which is one of the biggest weaknesses of the army, because you start with three-man units, and as soon as they drop a single man, they can start putting their best weapons into your characters, which uh, can often be really bad if that's a Vexel or something like that. So for me, it's six. The basis of almost every army is six Terminators, um, Alaris Terminators, and then a Talamon, whatever Talamon you like. I, I've played Double Guns, Double Fists in between. It's all good. And then a Vexilla. Uh, anything you want to add after that is your own flavor, but that, that's the basis of most of my lists. Um, I often do still go with two Bike Captains. Um, and then if you want a third character you go with trajan just for the cp alone um he's worth it yeah trajan has a lot of tricks alaris have so many tricks eric truck um has a really unique list that he's been trying out that is just 20 alaris terminators as aquil and shield and characters um and the whole point aquil and shield shield host has a stratagem where you can have a unit um within three inches of a character basically act as like a shield drone um against a, a shooting attack so you're, you're, you, you essentially immediately split one unit of Valaris with Unleash the Lions, um, and now you've got these 10 guys your opponent has to do uh, deal with um, that really screws up their variance when they're trying to decide how to shoot into them, um, because if they go under or over by too much, it, it, like, it, it skews everything for the rest of their shooting phase or even in close combat. Um, and then you add that on to the fact that then the next turn, another unit of Terminators comes down and does the exact same thing, where now you have 20 individual Terminators. If you want to target the characters, they're extremely hard to kill because he just puts everything into making them almost unkillable. Um, and then you, whatever you're most afraid of, you can Aquil and Shield off onto just a single Alaris Terminator and lose that. Maybe. You might not even lose him um, because he takes the saves. Um, there's a lot of unique lists. Adam Shepard Jones went... Um, at the Vanguard uh, Super Series, he was placed third place with a very unique solar watch list 
that uh, made use of Venatari with spears, uh, which a lot of people are looking at Venatari for the pistols because they're really good at uh, picking up Primaris Marines and Plague Marines because um, they're strength six, uh, damage two, uh, AP two, and they get explode on sixes. Um, but with the spears and with the the Solar Watch giving them the extra movement, um, he's able he was able to um, you know get a bigger board presence with them where he could still advance and shoot if need be and pick his time to charge units. He's the only guy that beat Alex Harrison uh, so far with his Salamander list. Um, so there's a lot going on there. Cassodes um, have so many good units. Um, it's just how, like, when, how's the meta going to settle for what they need to do? Do they need to kind of skew into dealing with Marines um, because that's the big bad? Or can you play something that's a little more mixed? All right. Uh, right on. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about uh, the next faction, and then we're going to go into Space Marines after this. That's Adeptus Sororitas. Uh, this is a faction I personally really love. I think they have a lot of play. Uh, Brandon, I know you've been playing them as well, so why don't you uh, take it off with the best kind of units and lists archetypes for sisters? So every good sisters list that I've seen has at least some Bloody Rose, and if you're taking Bloody Rose, you take Bloody Rose Repentia. Um, Repentia did get a nerf in ninth, but they still hit like a freight train. Um, and with Miracle Dice, they can make long charges. They're still as dangerous as ever. Um, people are also taking a lot more Celestians than they used to. Um, there's only one point more than basic Battle Sisters, and there's a lot of strats and abilities that affect them, but the main ones are that they always reroll the hit if they're near a, their Canonus, which is kind of a big deal. And they um, hit reasonably hard in melee if they're Bloody Rose, with four attacks per model rerolling to hit. Um, so Celestians, Repentia, um, and then... Personally, I think that you're going to see a lot of high body count lists. So you're going to see maybe a few rhinos and then mostly just battle sister equivalents in lists simply because um, the regular battle sister profile is not great, but they can be very powerful when working together. So Bloody Rose, for example, you can just pile on tons and tons of attacks. Um, so you can bring in your uh, AP1 pistols with Seraphim, which... While they got a points hike, I think there's still going to be a sprinkling of them. But you can just have this overwhelming assault of Battle Sisters that will just wreck face with Bloody Rose. Or if you're Valorous Heart, you can build a death ball of, um, in my case, something like 50 Battle Sister equivalents that ignore AP2 and have 4-up and vulnerable saves and 6-up Femal Pain. They're all one-wound models that also have a couple Rhinos to help them move up the board. So you have this ball that doesn't really kill as much, but once it moves into the midfield, it's extremely difficult to shift. Um, so that's kind of where I see sisters right now, is you either go full bloody rose and go very aggressive and try to punch people off the board very quickly and control the board, or you go more of a mix with some Valor's Heart to hold the midfield, and you use the bloody rose elements more as a countercharge to support your shooting elements. Yeah, I, I really, I, I agree with you, Brandon. I think Valor's Heart and Bloody Rose are the two that you go for. However, I really love Valor's Heart sisters with MSU Battle Sister squads. Just, you know, five five lady sister squads with Valor's Heart, and maybe in a Magifier around them to kind of buff if you're going up against Space Marines and you want a little extra defense in the Tactical Doctrine. But they just, Space Marines in particular which are obviously very common, have such a hard time dealing with them when you're ignoring their AP1 uh, flamers and bolters in the Assault Doctrine, or in the Tactical Doctrine, excuse me, and you have a 2-up save in cover. 
it's it's really difficult to shoot an entire sister's army off the board when you're going MSU three plus save bodies. Uh, but I, I like I like a bloody rose uh, repentia as well, and then also uh, my favorite unit are the retributors, the multi multi retributors with the the extra range and then the ability to um, move and shoot without penalty is I think a, a, retributors those are the devastator squad right yes and they're getting yeah. even better with uh two shot multi multis that do yes. plus two mm-hmm. damage and half range and what is it 16 inch heavy flamers with their currently as written rules yeah, yeah. we don't yeah yeah they're but yeah the uh we'll see the, they play <laughs> they play ninth edition really well um and they're right now they're criminally underplayed because battle sister squads have been sold out out of stock via GW4 well, criminally underplayed by not me I'm running three squads in my current list fair enough underplayed by the <laughs> overarching community there's not a lot of sisters players uh and GW unfortunately isn't able to meet demand on the plastic models but I I love them uh Brian and Peter do you have anything else to add on sisters um, we have seen some decent results from Sisters. Uh, Dan Sammons, uh, the first GT with Wizards Asylum, he brought a, a, a Sisters Battalion of Valorous Heart to back up his Imperial Fists with the Battle Sanctum. He dropped it because the change to um, uh, fortifications makes it harder to plan where you're going to drop a Battle Sanctum as it may not fit anymore and just gets destroyed depending on how much terrain you're playing on. Um, we uh, saw this last weekend at Battle for Survival, um, the one that Alex Harrison won with his Salamanders. Um, he a- ended up playing into a very tight game against Thomas Douche, uh, running um, a Valorous Heart and Bloody Rose mix, as um, Brandon described, um, with uh, Zephyrum and Repentia as his kind of uh, close combat hitters. And then he had a Triumph of St. Catherine, which is seeing a, a pretty significant amount of play now in 9th edition, especially because you can use Obscuring Terrain to block it um, per, per the FAQ. All right on. All right, Brian, do you have anything else to add to that? No, that sounds all good to me. Okay, right on. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the Space Marines now. Uh, we're going to go to the furry boys themselves, Space Wolves. Uh, Space Wolves have some very, very good play right now. I guess they they, they got I think they got the best buff, but they got a buff nonetheless. Uh, Peter, why don't you talk about Space Wolves and what you've seen out of them so far? Sure. So there was some early um, issue with Space Wolves because they had an FAQ that um, seemed to indicate that everything in the army had obsec. So we saw some pretty suspect uh, results coming out of some some early tournaments where you where you, I had to go to the TOs to be like, did you let them have obsec or not? Because I wasn't quite sure if that was intended. Uh, GW has since confirmed, no, we didn't mean to do that. We're sorry. Um, but even with that said, um, they did top table that Adelaide GT um, with a list that is extremely similar to the event uh, that happened this weekend, the uh, Tactical Tortoise uh, Invitational, which was like a 16-person tournament uh, run-on uh, tabletop simulator um, using like the basically the top 16 players from all of the um, events that, um, that they've been tracking through TTS since COVID started. Um, and the winner was a Space Wolf list um, using Wolfen um, because they're very hard to move. You can reserve them now with a, um, you could always outflank them before. You can still reserve them now. Um, the big additions for Space Wolves have been from the Indominus box set, the Judashar, which essentially gives them a second like armor of rust, but that's slightly better actually, um, at least in terms of, of range. Um, and um, Blade Guard because Space Wolf Blade Guard have a lot of attacks. Um, Space Wolves already made good use of Impulsors, um, so now Blade Guard and Impulsors are just, they just, like, 
mesh so well together. Um, and you can make an army that essentially um, the whole thing has four plus invulnerable saves outside of your, your core troops um, or three plus invulnerable saves that your opponent has to get through. And you hit like a ton of bricks. You can force multiple units to fight last in your fight phase. It's very hard to get around um, as long as you can get into the scrum. Yeah, the army suffers from uh, great shooting opponents. have always been a bane of the Space Wolves, and, and you really still could shoot them off the board. But they're in a position where you really can't fight them off the board because if you try to charge them, they'll fight first. They hit hard enough to wipe almost anything out. Particularly their characters, like someone like Ragnar, is still an absolute monster. At mm-hmm. almost 120 points, he's an absolute steal. And you give him, uh, what is it, Touch of the Wild, so that his 10 attacks go to like you know 15 to 20 attacks. Um, and uh, it, he, I've had him blend almost anything that he's touched. Uh, so their characters are great. And combine that with their heroic intervention, they can post up on objectives and make it really hard so that you can't touch them. If you come close enough to try to tag the objective, they'll heroically intervene into you and take it from you. And uh, so the only thing they have to play around is really great shooting armies. All right. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next one, uh, unless Brandon wants to add anything to Space yeah, Wolves. Yeah, I'll just add that everything being able to heroically intervene, be aware of that, and build around it as a Space Wolves player. So, for example, being able to heroically intervene your impulsors to tie up shooting units is kind of a big deal. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next Space Marine faction. That's going to be Grey Knights. Uh, Peter, Grey Knights looked like the talk of the town at the beginning of the year. Uh, they've since d- the hype has died down them, around them a bit, almost simultaneously with the amount of sales that have died down because they've been out of stock since February. Uh, <laughs> Grey Knight Terminators and Grey Knight Strike Squads have been. Uh, so, do you think that people are just having a hard time getting their hands on Grey Knight models right now since they've been out of stock for half a year, uh, or do you think maybe uh, Grey Knights aren't as good as they were in Eighth Edition? The- I think Grey Knights took a hit. They Losing Psychic Focus um, is a bit of a big deal because you can't spam those two-wound smites um, on, on a turn where you really want to. It's not to say you still can't get a few of them off because of their innate plus one to cast, um, but it is more difficult uh, than it was at the end of 8th edition when they were kind of tearing things up pretty well. Um, We've seen some decent results out of Grey Knights. Uh, ben Sherwin has been doing okay with these like minimum Terminator squads, um, kind of taking the board with a, an obsec unit that is hard to move, shoots a lot of shots if it wants to put the right amount of strats on it. They're strength 6, AP 1 or 2, 2 damage flat, storm bolters, never a bad thing. Um, I think the big thing that we've seen out of Grey Knights is the return of baby carriers, um, at least the... the, uh, the uh, Grandmaster variety. Um, they were something that had kind of disappeared in 8th edition um, as the game progressed, and now they're kind of back in droves. You're seeing two or three even in a lot of Grey Knight lists. Yeah, it's really hard to get the HQ slots in those Grey Knight lists now. You have to pay all that CP, and they're actually a CP-hungry army um, because they're so elite and they, they need to keep themselves alive. Um, I'm still playing around with army uh, compositions that work. Um, I'm trying to consider transports now, particularly when they start when they go up to two wounds. If I can get 20 wounds worth of strike marines in a rhino, that actually sounds pretty interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, uh, I'm having trouble making the armies work too too well, because I used to, you know, as with everyone, we used to use that uh, magic boxes in the terrain to keep ourselves safe. And uh, even then, it took the magic boxes plus all the strats to survive 
uh, shooting phases. And without that, you can really still kind of get blasted off the board. And so um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that two-room change. I actually think this is one of those armies that will benefit the most out of it. All right. Uh, Brandon, do you have anything more to add or do you want to move on? I'm ready to move on. I think we've covered it. Let's go to... Let's go to Dark Angels now. So Dark Angels uh, were voted w- one of the worst Space Marine factions in the power rankings. Yeah, um, both both out of play and because they just are the worst emotionally. <laughs> so uh, Brandon, you the Dark Angels are your Space Marine darling. Uh, have you gone back to maybe trying to play Dark Angels? What have you seen out of them? What are some good units? Um, it, what are some good lists that you think people might play or that you've seen? Um, now that you can't use the Psychic Awakening abilities anymore, I'm super sad for Talon Masters and Samael not being able to use all those strats anymore. So I think they The took, Vigilus ones, you mean? Yeah, Sorry. the Vigilus ones. So because they can't take the Vigilus formations, um, that's a huge deal. Um, so yeah, I look at Dark Angels and I'm just thinking, why wouldn't I play Vanilla Marines at this point? Because um, the Deathwing and Ravenwing, I think they still have some really cool tricks so for example um the dark shroud is still a really let's call it centralizing figure in a dark angels army particularly with say a ball of the um plasma land speeders or still samuel and a talon master are a great pair but i think that they've taken a hidden ninth so you're still going to see that as a list it's just you're going to need more than that so I expect to see the new Indominus units in Dark Angels, but I don't expect them to be as powerful whenever they take those units compared to the Vanilla Marines. Yeah, I really like I I really like Dark Angels Inceptors too. The Plasma Inceptors yeah. they got the blast keyword. There you go. So, yeah, they hit really really hard. You got um, this. Yeah, they have, there it is. They have potentially they have potentially some of the best overall damage dealing in the game period. Um, in that they can clear out hordes, large ten man bodies of primaris marines if there are there so plasma scepters are good uh obviously the town master the is still really solid uh but I, as far as the rest of a dark angels list goes i don't think they ally with space marines or other imperial armies very well i, I really want to see an imperial soup list come out um that someone performs well with but if there is one that's going to come out it's not going to be with dark angels um so yeah so i i, mean, I, I don't think they ally well with other space marines maybe we'll um, see something with terminators going to three wounds Deathwing are still sure. solid. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. But, 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 yeah. If you're a Dark Angels player and you're looking for a really good Dark Angels list, uh, go to Plasma Scepters and Talon Masters. Start there. Maybe Semiel on his Dark Talon or whatever the Land Speeder is called. Um, start there, and then from Don't there, take go Hellblasters. With... Stop it. No, everyone, <laughs> listen to me. Stop it. Just take Plasma Scepters. Until they get better. Don't take those. Take Scepters. I keep seeing this online. It makes me so mad. All these Dark Angel players, like, my list has 10 Hellblasters. Why isn't it working? It isn't working because you took 10 Hellblasters. Get them out of here. Yeah. It, and it, They've never from been there. Good. Get from them there, out. You, you kind of want to bring the, the Space Brain special, um, maybe the Outrider bikes, uh, some infiltrators or scouts to help fight for that, and then maybe troops choices, impulsors, primary Marines and impulsors, something like that. Super, super basic and generic, and then just kind of like, oh, but don't worry, guys. I'm Dark Angels. I've got Plasma Scepters and Talon Masters. And then, anyways, so that's it. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to Blood Angels, unless Brian has anything else to add on Dark Angels. All right, Blood Angels. Okay, um, Blood Angels look really interesting right now. I think they look really good personally. But uh, Peter, how do they look on uh, in tournaments? 
Um, they haven't seen too many tournament results. Um, Axel Johnson went four and two with a very unique, like Vanguard vet heavy um, and Death Company heavy list. Um, seeing a lot of talk, um, and I've been talking a lot with players because I do also play Blood Angels um, of these, like of kind of going back to Sanguinary Guard, but backing them up with Blade Guard because. Um, and the Outriders, because um, once again, Indominus has a lot of really good units that are very efficient for their points. Um, and the close combat ones um, t- get a lot of benefit out of Blood Angels and Space Wolves, um, White Scars as well. But um, being able to put out like 19 attacks with three Blade Guard when they, when they um, hit anything is very good because they're strength five. So they're wounding most things on twos, uh, damage two. They put out so much, so many attacks as Blood Angels. Sanguinor is still spectacular. Sanguinary Guard are still absolutely a, a linchpin unit, whether you run one squad or two. Um, it's That's really just a, a preference thing, I think, at this point, where you want to put the rest of your points. Um, I feel uh, that Library and Dreadnought, if you're going to take a Psyker, is the way to go because he stayed the same points. He didn't go up and is still... Like you can still make him damage four, so he can still pick up those nerglings if you need somebody to do it. Um, like they they have a lot. I think just like Space Wolves, kind of the key issue with Blood Angels is that they don't have a they can't take any they don't really get any benefit out of shooting. So you need to be able to have some kind of presence on the board so that your your combat units can get where they need to go. Luckily, Sanguinary Guard have a lot of tricks to keep them alive. Um, Blade Guard can go into Impulsors, and um, other things like Outriders are just super fast, so you can use those to tie up units. And I love Infiltrators because you can take a squad of 10, combat squad them if you need to, but otherwise you can, like, against those Nurgling lists that are going to fill up the board and make you hit them first, you can you can just drop the 10 down first and block off such a large area of the board that you don't care if you lose them because you only needed that one turn to get your your guys into position. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna second the the outriders are first off they're so good, uh, but Blood Angels outriders in particular are amazing because not only do they get like 19 attacks on the charge, um, oh, they get more than that. If, well, well, depending on what you have for support. well, yeah, they get yes. they get two they get two attacks on the charge base plus the one attack from Space Marines plus the one attack for being Blood Angels. So that, that's already uh, plus two attacks for being outriders. Yeah, yeah, plus I one if that. you took Sanguinar. like there's and plus one for the Sanguinar. Yeah, yeah, they've and got plus one for Chainsword. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot the chainsword. Yeah, they, they yeah they have How many easily attacks 20 plus attacks. So so an Outrider has two base, two for the charge normally, one, a chainsword, so five attacks, one for being Space Marine for six, one for being Blood Angels for seven, and then another if you take like a character. Oh, I thought Maybe Blood another Angels two. was, we're talking about in Assault Doctrine then. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, and, and excuse me, in the assault doctrine. Excellent. And then they get plus one to wound on top of that, AP2 in the assault doctrine. And not only that, but they shoot at 30 inch range, they shoot 12 strength four AP1, one, one damage shots. They move 14 inches. They're they're insane. They're, they're really the four wounds T5. I could go on and on about how amazing the Outriders are. But what I like about them in Blood Angels lists is that they're affordable options that bully your opponent's board and put a lot of pressure on that you that take pressure off your sanguinary guard and your other big bomb units. So one Blood Angels list that I I think um, people will start kind of gravitating towards is one that was used in 8th edition where you have two units of Death Company um, usually mixed between Thunderhammers and Chainswords a big bomb of Sanguinary Guard which pull their weight in gold a Librarian Dreadnought or two and then just really good Primaris stuff Outriders, Assault Intercessors maybe a squad of Infiltrators or Incursors uh, and then just kind of like build a really 
awesome infantry infantry heavy dynamic blood angels list um i i, I kind of want to see something like that yeah one of the things i've been trying to do is move away from just giant big blobs in my blood angels armies because if the game's going msu you don't want to trade like a huge 15 or 10 man blob of yours for just like five min you know models and uh so taking smaller squads things like the the new indominus stuff where you can just have three outriders and go and they can trade very favorably compared to having to throw in a giant sanguinary guard squad or a giant death company squad and i've been looking at smaller squads for those and trying to clear out people's uh um units even just with like assault intercessors everything from indominus works so well with the blood yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think Blood Angels do, out of all the Space Marines, I think Blood Angels do the MSU the best. I agree with you. Their scouts, the the close combat yeah. weapon scouts, are are some of the best, even now, so with their points increased, some of the best bully units. They can go into a unit of Nurglings on the charge and absolutely mess them up. Maybe not a unit of nine Nurglings, but, or nine bases. They do okay. Uh, but, they they, do you okay. know, they'll they'll go into it and they'll, they'll, they'll bully kill, and they'll win kill objectives. They'll kill a Nurgling, and it'll be great. Oh, they'll kill more than a Nurgling. Continue. continue. Pablo, what's moving next? Moving on. And then finally, the Space Marines are next. Uh, no one cares about Space Marines. Half of the lists are broken. The other half of the lists are solid. Um, that's it, right? I mean, if we're going to talk about Space Marines, we should just focus on Ultramarines and Salamanders, or do we even care about other chapters? Okay. Yeah, yeah, so I I mean I think white scars are still really good. Um, I think what we should do is do an entire episode devoted to space marines next week. We we that's I mean, exactly we what we're doing, we Peter. <laughs> so so real quick, so let's um let's just talk about what what are the three what do you think are the two or three best chapters that um you think people are running? Obviously salamanders are putting up a huge result so far in ninth edition. Um so maybe it's safe to say that salamanders are the best chapter. Brian yeah, Salamanders have Salamanders. My first Space Marine chapter, and I, I absolutely love them. They have the amazing stratagems that they could never get the uh, the CP to use. Really, they are really synergizing well with some of the the new units like Eradicators, um, and so they're really good at just taking out everything the game can throw at them. They're super good at playing a tournament because they're really good all comers Marines, and uh, that's just what makes them do so well. They're almost all their units work well. Yeah, one other thing to note on Salamanders is their big gripe last edition was they were too niche and too slow. Uh, this uh, ninth fixed that with the Eradicators, like you mentioned, but also you can outflank reserve aggressors now. So they all of a sudden got a ton of mobility, whereas before you wouldn't have to worry. You knew exactly where flame regret, Flamestorm aggressors were coming from. They were coming from your opponent's deployment zone. Now they can come in on turn two from any deployment edge or on turn three from any edge, period, and... Uh, Roast something. And on top yeah, of that, you've got your mortals, put a yeah. bunch of strats on the guy so he does whatever he likes. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty brutal. Yeah, and they MSU really well, too. The board is smaller, so they get into range a little faster. And not only is the board smaller, but the game is almost always played at the mid-board, which means uh, if you move up a little too far, you could get flame turn one. So um, it just makes them absolutely fantastic. Uh, but, you know, the entire Space Marine line is solid. If, if you know, Salamanders are taking the first for me, White Scars are absolutely taking my second. Um, like the Blood Angels, they're another unit that benefits a lot from a lot of the Indominus. Almost everything uh, they do with the advance and charge, and they even got a buff that now they can advance and shoot with almost anything. So just even Intercessors with the Assault uh, variant gun, um, they're just, everything is better. That, uh, White Scars just have great buffs. And White Scars, uh, Grav Devastators inside Rhinos are disgusting because you'll always 
like until your opponent sees it for the first time, they won't know it's going to happen because white scars can um, disembark at the end of the movement phase. So you can rush your rhino up, advance it even if you wanted to, pop your dudes out, still get to fire because you can make their heavy weapons assault weapons for the turn, um, blow somebody out of the water if you want to spend the CP to do it, and you still have a rhino instead of a drop pod, so it can tie units up. It can just be a nuisance as it tends to be. It can block for characters. Like White Scars, um, White Scars I think are like the finesse army of of ninth Um the terrifying finesse army. They're almost Inari, but not as bad. Like they can do so many really cool, cute things, and they're so fast. They're stupid. Uh, that stupid three-inch move, um, new artillery piece that's coming, moves nine inches as white scars. Think about that, and still fires at full efficiency. That's dumb. Um, I love it. I love white scars for that kind of stuff. They're yeah, so I, tricksy. I love. I tricks. agree. So what I, I, what I I'm hearing completely. about Marines is strategic reserves have really buffed them because if you have flamethrowers with 12 inch range now and you have things like aggressors with all the buffs that salamanders give them that is a serious serious problem to deal with um on top of that um you have um the new eradicators outflanking as well and grav devastators outflanking or coming in a drop pod or coming in a white scars rhino so you put it all together and you get marines showing up from reserves eliminating more than their points value on the turn they arrive um, and also being yeah. annoying on midfield. So it's extremely challenging to deal with and extremely hard to zone out. I mean, especially going second into the Grav Devastators play, I don't think there are many armies in the game that can screen it out. So Yeah, the the threat vectors from Space Marines are even better in, in ninth than they were in eighth. And um, the one thing we haven't mentioned is Iron Hands didn't get bad. I've said this a few, but a few things like Iron Hands are still a good army. I don't think they're as good as White Scars and Salamanders right now, but they are still an army you have to watch out for because durable infantry with feel no pains are hard, like they're always going to be something you have to be able to to handle in this edition. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Raven Guard, Ultramarines, Imperial Fists, and Iron Hands didn't all of a sudden become awful. Yeah, just uh, Black Templar. Just Black. Well, Black. Anyways, but but the the. The thing we've always been saying is that salamanders just needed mobility, and they got it, and that basically was keeping them from being the best Space Marine army, and I think we're starting to see that. So anyways, that's enough on Space Marines. Those are the units and lists I think you should expect to see. I think it's safe to say that you'll probably see salamanders be the new Iron Hands. They're going to show up often on tables constantly, uh, and then that's it. So that's all of the factions that we covered. Um Thank you very much for everyone for sticking around. Hit it an hour and 40, so we went a little over our time. However, uh, we had some great discussions, and there's not going to be any patron questions this episode. However, if you are interested in supporting the podcast and uh, helping us keep the lights on, you can head on over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics and give us a, a follow, a patron. Give us your patronage. Patrons do get access to cool stuff, exclusive content. Uh, they get access to a Discord, Facebook. They do normally get to ask us questions live at the end of every episode, but not for this one. Uh, and then, of course, you anyone can win that awesome Indominus box set. Uh, if you want to win an Indominus box set, all you have to do is go to the Chapter Tactics episode two episodes from now. It's the episode where we talk about content uh, 40k content in ninth edition. It's the guide to all competitive 40k content. Uh, and just go into the comments section in that ep- in that episode on YouTube or in Frontline Gaming and tell us what your favorite video or podcast channel is. Uh, and then you get entered to win a free Indominus box. Speaking of 
awesome 40k content brian where can they find more from you if they liked hearing your sultry tones oh thanks yeah uh, i run a youtube channel with a couple friends called tabletop titans we do live games twice a week every thursday and on saturday and actually they've been uh, turning into some of the most watched live 40k content out there our our weekly live games are getting you know 1600 1800 concurrent viewers which is um a lot for 40k um and so we've we've been really excited in growing that and starting this coming saturday the 22nd we're doing uh, a tournament with eight factions custodies harlequins craft world admech white scars orcs death guard and the tau um, not because we think those are necessarily the top eight, but they're all very interesting factions. And we're going to be playing them all single elimination uh, against each other. It's like seven or eight games. I'm forgetting my math right now. And uh, we're going to run it over two weeks. So three games uh, every week and then one kind of special finale. So come cheer for your favorite faction live. Um, and again, that's Tabletop Titans on YouTube. Right on. Peter, where can they find you, the Falcon? I'm everywhere now. Um, just everywhere. I do the 40K Jason show on Tuesday mornings with uh, Rob Symes uh, at the Honest Wargamer with Val. I've got 40K Stat Center, which we're recording again tomorrow to release on probably Wednesday if things go to plan. Um, so we'll be doing results from Flying Monkey from that TTS um, event that was run by Tactical Tortoise. And also uh, we have some news about a Polish team tournament uh, because no one ever hears from them until WTC. So we really want to get some info out there uh, from around the world. And um, you can also catch me sometimes on Monday nights, sometimes on other nights, um, just reading short stories to people so they can fall to sleep from the Grimdark universe. Right on. And finally, Brandon, do you have any plugs you want to add? Not at this time, Pablo. I think I've over-promoted my guard group. But if you're still interested, <laughs> you can hit me up for that on Facebook. Right on. All right. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. You are all, of course, the best listeners in the world. Let me know if you like this format where I keep all the announcement kind of plug stuff at the end of the episode. Uh, I, I really like it. I really like jumping into the content. But let me know what you think. Also, let me know what you think about the episode in general. Did we fail to mention something about your favorite faction? Uh, I know that we we don't have enough time to spend on every single faction, so I know we always leave stuff out. Uh, so go into the comments section, share your love for your favorite faction uh, or hatred for your least favorite faction below. Like, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, it really helps us out. And as always, keep on being awesome. Bye-bye.